Hello and welcome to Breaking Social. I'm Alex. And I'm Joe. And we're the founders of award-winning marketing agency, Campfire. In our new podcast series, we sit down with a guest to unpick their business journey and find out their secrets to success in branding and marketing. This week, we're going to be speaking to the co-founder of Uni, Darina Garland. Darina co-founded Uni with her husband, Christian, and has since taken the world of homemade pizzas by storm. From Kickstarter to the kitchens of Beyonce and Dolly Parton, we chat to Darina about how they navigated creating an entirely new consumer product, achieved rapid growth with their marketing strategy, and why the Suez Canal debacle really wasn't funny for them. So uh, it's great to meet you, Darina. And do you want to introduce us to the story of Uni? No problem. Yeah, I would love to. So Uni um, started in 2012. Christian, my husband and I had our own um, business, which was working within the education sector. And we were focused mainly on innovation and creativity and problem solving within school communities. So the idea for Uni, um, which is all about pizza, came from the fact that Christian had a problem that his pizzas were good, but just not great and nothing like you could get in a restaurant or indeed in Italy or New York. So he worked out that it was because there was, wasn't really high heat, high enough heat that you could get in a domestic oven. Um, and then we were looking into pizza ovens. At the time, they were all very expensive, sort of traditional installations. We didn't have either the space or the money for something like that. That's where the idea came to try and build our own. And Christian got set about prototyping. And where did the name Uni come from? Uni was a, a Finnish word, basically. Um, and the original, we had original spelling that meant oven. Um, so we just liked it, like the simplicity of it. Actually went on to, to change the spelling um, from U-U-N-I to O-O-N-I for several reasons, but mostly because people didn't know how to pronounce it. We're Christians from Finland and it makes sense there. But in terms of uh, our global audience, we wanted something that was doesn't like a new word. It doesn't have to mean anything yet. We were trying to create our own meaning. Um, but equally, we wanted something that was able to be uh, phonetically pronounced and um, and therefore searchable. So that was the story of our of our name. Great. Um, and one question I actually wanted to ask just off the back of that was the ability to want to solve a problem like that. That's quite a a difficult thing to do. It's also a very rare thing to do. You know, you go into the market, you look at what pizza ovens are available. They're all very expensive, very, you know, um, big, like you say, big installations that need to be done. Um, is that something that you've always had, the, like something where you'd, you'd look at a problem and think, I'm going to solve that versus, you know, oh, if, if it's not there, then I can't have that sort of thing? I think our grounding in, in the creative education sector and actually trying to promote that way of being was for sure a, a really strong grounding for that. We haven't created lots of categories before. You know, this is definitely a category that we created. and But we do try and have original ideas and try and build things and imagine that it's possible. I guess somebody has to. Everyone talks about Uni being a really good idea and a really simple idea. Often that's best, right? And it just didn't it didn't exist before. So I think the mindset to know that why not? Why not just give it a go and kind of vision to make it happen? Yeah, I think it is rare, but it should, it should be like, everywhere you know everyone's innately creative but just sometimes gets educated out or real life gets in the way so I think we would really try to encourage people to to think like that kind of why not philosophy to give things a go right and how long did it take to go from a concept to an actual product it was fast um Christian's also really techy, so he was on top of things like kickstarter so kickstarter had only launched in the UK that same year 
we were one of the very first Kickstarters to launch, which I think enabled us to really do lots of things, but test the market, um, proof of concept, get things going quite quickly. In those days, you didn't need to have a fully tooled sample in order to launch a project. I think it's different now. So we did, we we got going, he talked to a local metal welder. We lived in London at the time and he found this guy down the road who like was welding gates and asked him to sort of pull together this very rudimentary prototype um, of our first uni. Um, but it worked. So we had a, a simple proof of concept really and we didn't have manufacturers, but we went ahead and launched it. And that was really helpful in lots of ways because it, it tested the market and sort of gave us that proof that people, validation that people would want it. But it also helped us get a global customer base from the beginning um, and to be an e-commerce brand quite quickly. You know, our first hundred customers came through that campaign and then they just kept coming beyond it and kept coming at a rate. We also got lots of press through that because like it's a simple concept and people absolutely love pizza. So we had a lot of hearts and minds and stomachs won over early doors. So it was actually really fast and it's been a bit of a well, let's say roller coaster. It's such a cliche, but it's been um, it's been a fast ride uh, since that but first launch. Because after that, we had to scrabble about to try and find manufacturers and to make it happen. You know, after we'd sold the idea, and yeah, we managed to to get into decent shape so far. A uh, lot still to do. You mentioned um, that obviously Christian is your husband, is your partner, and not to draw parallels, but Joe, Joe and I were not a couple, but uh, Joe and I were obviously good friends before we started Campfire and lived together before we started Campfire, and there was a stage in our lives where we were working together and living together pretty much twenty four seven, trying to develop this new project that we were doing uh, at the time and all of the problems that comes along with that. What was it like for you starting this business with your partner? Well, it was good. We'd already started a business together quite naturally with, with Sukla, our education business. So we've been working together for oh, for about five years by the time Uni came along. And we're so, so different that uh, I think hopefully complementary and are just approach things really differently. Um, so I think it's good. People often say, oh, God, it must be really hard. So I'm like, well, not if you've got defined roles. And then what I've found as well is there's a there's a shorthand for things, right? So you don't have to. You've got kind of cultural alignment and values alignment and general same pageness in terms of what is important for you. That's, that must be similar with friendship groups. And Uni, beyond my me working with Christian, I also, my brother is our head of sales or chief sales officer, and we've got really good friends in the business and particularly in our exec team. And I would definitely credit that sort of shared uh, shorthand of what's important so it's like sometimes challenging but actually I think it can accelerate stuff as well when you're when you're already pals or or family absolutely and speaking of things that can accelerate the growth of your business obviously we've just come out of a year in which people were unable to go and get a Neapolitan pizza which was a rising trend massively in the in the UK which seemed to come out of nowhere so I'd like to kind of dig into where you think that came from as well going from the pizza, the type of pizzas that you could get at uh, large chains to these sourdough bases that you can get in sort of family-run stores or smaller stores around the UK. But we've just had a year where no one could get uh, that kind of pizza because you couldn't go out and eat at a restaurant. 
how much did that drive the growth of Uni? Did you see a massive spike in your sales? Yeah, yes. I mean, we absolutely did. We're we're definitely kind of one of the success stories of the last 18 months, probably longer now. And I think there's a number of reasons. Uh, One, we were already at a level where we had kind of leveled up significantly. So our product offerings were more accessible and therefore being able to be kind of more intuitively used. So from the early adopters who who might put up with, um, you know, some learning curves, uh, the ovens that we brought out and the tools we brought out just felt more accessible and in really good quality. And then the second thing is we'd leveled up our team significantly. So we were a tiny team for ages, but then we'd really, particularly around digital marketing, had made a big investment. So we were trying to maximize that already that word of mouth with people having unis and loving their experiences and telling people it's like how can we yeah how can we amplify that and then like yeah as you said uni is is brilliant in lots of ways because it was about really good food so obviously pizza and and more but pizza that you could make at home but kind of beyond that there's also the experience of like learning a new thing, making dough together, having those safe connections in a time where you really couldn't do much. So it was the kind of the experience plus the food. So people needed things to do and they wanted opportunities to connect, whether it just be their nuclear family. Well, that was this that was the thing to do for, you know, for several months is all you could do. And people weren't going anywhere. So you, they definitely weren't flying to Italy. They might have done um, a lot of restaurants had to close or they pivoted to takeout. So you could definitely still get great takeaway pizza. Um, but I think it was because the sort of awesome food plus the experience that really helped amplify it. And we we saw really fast growth before the pandemic. So it was like, and when it happened, the pandemic came, we thought this was a, just another blip, but it just sustained. So several things. We were in a good place, I think, to take this on. But yeah, obviously we're a very lucky product category. You know, we're not making theatre we're we're making a physical product that was actually safe to use during a time that not much was safe to do right so we definitely had our challenges and have our challenges but uh feel incredibly grateful that we were able to not even not only sustain but grow and and create jobs during this period so very lucky i was about to ask actually because it from what you're telling us you know you've had a very very strong start with the kickstarter campaign it seems to be a consistent story there of you know, explosive start, growth continues to happen. And then even during um, a pandemic, growth continues to occur. And after the fact, you've um, sustained and even grown some there thereafter. What are some of the challenges that you've had to face up to now? Yeah, I think, well, for anyone that knows me, I'm so I'm wired so positively. So I will caveat that, that I don't really, I think we've had a very lucky ride. And hopefully that's because of that mindset as well, right? But yeah, like I, it's, some of the things where it's been a challenge that we've leaned into are things like, you know, fast growth of a company and a team. We've heard from several people that, oh, see, when you go from 20 to 30 people, that's when you lose your culture or, you know, 50 to 100. Like, there's literally no way you can retain that. So we've kind of tackled that face on and gone, you know, we that's such a fundamental thing in terms of our what, how we measure success is a really connected, engaged team and, and a really strong culture. So made sure that we sort of put that forward and and not just going, well, that's how it is when you grow. So for example, we were about 50 people in March last year and now about 225. So it has been fast, fast growth um, in that way and, and revenue too, lucky to say. 
the hard, hardest thing has been without a doubt um, the reliance on the global supply chain and, and challenges with manufacturing and physical products. I wished that I could design a digital uni now to send to you all virtually <laughs> um, and then just do software updates and, you know, make it happen. So, yeah, it's been incredibly hard, you know, dealing with that during pandemic. So that literally factories were closed then to for them to be back again and not being able to get things on ships and then the shipping costs going up a thousand percent. So how is our buffer there? Can we can we survive that? And, you know, trying to constantly negotiate to get things onto boats in the first place. And then now, I don't, and then we're not out of the woods there. You, you probably saw the Suez Canal stuff. We were stuck on that. Then, you know, we had three million pounds of stock tied up for months on end. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> was that just on on the ship, on that Suez Canal ship? Yeah, just on that There was ship. three million pounds worth yeah. of stock. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we've kind of like, okay, this is it. You know, what can we do? Let's, let's think about this. Let's pivot. So, the word of the last 18 months, right? But there have been a lot of things coming. Our poor ops team, our operations team, they've definitely taken the brunt of the challenges in the last kind of couple of years because it's, I guess it's it's hard. It's hard to physically make something that's really good. And then when you do that and you get that sorted, to actually get it into the consumer's hands who are desperately waiting. So connected to that has been our comm. So we've grown our uni experience team. So our customer support team has grown from about five people to probably about, I don't know, 40 or 50 now because we've been trying to be really on top of all communication and make sure that we're ahead of the game when people are being patient and waiting, sometimes three months for products, you know, and and even longer at the worst points where we were kind of trying to supply that demand. So, yeah, it's, it's hard. We don't want to let people down. We're really excited about the demand, but um, some of the things are out of control. So, you know, for example, we're coming into the Black Friday uh, Christmas period, which we anticipate will be really good. But then will people be able to get them? But, you know, so trying to encourage, this is all e-commerce, right? Trying to encourage people to order early because even if you get things to the warehouses, then we don't have truckers because of Brexit and because of challenges in the States. And, you know, it's um, there's uh, all bets are off because of the kind of boom in e-commerce and also because of the political climate and of course covid so there it's uh, there's a lot of external challenges i would say that we've had to um react to and make plans around and how how are you able to continually overcome those is a lot of that down to that sort of positivity that you say you've had that keeps you going through that or is it is there something else there positivity incredible openness with the customer base um think where we ended up just you know our gregor coo was on the news talking about the Suez Canal, I remember, because there was BBC heard that oh, at first it was just like, oh, this is really funny, right? Like it's such a comedy image when you saw that huge brooch stuck. And then they realised, oh, there's actually UK businesses being impacted and not just UK businesses, businesses all over the world. And then obviously pizza ovens are not an essential item, but then there was so much that was stuck that really was. And that when you see how vulnerable the global supply chain really was, I think that was interesting to talk about that so a to he you know he did a chat and talked to the news and so we were able to share that with customers about how it was impacting us but then just to be really front-footed about this is what we're experiencing um so for example we recently had to put our prices up because of well so many factors shipping factors as i've explained that have gone up that much so we, like, we tried to swallow it for for months and months where every other brand has put their prices up in sort of similar spaces and then 
cost of materials, you know, cost of everything. And we just told our our email list we were going to do that and why and explains it. And I think it was really, really well received. That kind of transparency about it. What well, was nice, like, uh, you know, we're definitely not a money grabbing company that cares about profit beyond all things. And to try and sort of authentically demonstrate that and how hard and how sort of much we've held off on those. I think it's the right thing to do and people respond well to that. So that's like be authentic and try and think of creative solutions and or would be my top tip. But yeah, absolutely remain positive. I mean, there's a lot of things that in the last couple of years that people have said, lean into what you should be grateful for. And we are incredibly lucky com- comparatively, as I've expressed a couple of times. And so, yes, to remember that and to go, okay, what can we do? What can we physically impact here, if anything? So you, you'd mentioned that you'd made a significant investment into your digital marketing strategy. Do you think that's what helped drive that growth before the pandemic? Because I remember seeing those ads for Uni and just thinking that, first of all, the product was genius. I, I thought, <laughs> why, why is this something like this not existed in the past? Secondly, that it was a, a great ad that you that you were using uh, and the ad strategy that you were using looks really strong. But what was that significant investment that you made into your digital marketing and, and how did that drive your growth? There's been a few things over the years. I guess the simple thing is to really own the space and try and be and less is more much like a good pizza right you don't want to put too many toppings on and have too many messages so clarity I think is important like what are we about we're about making great pizza so that's having that clarity because for example when we started the category didn't exist like people really didn't have pizza ovens and when we went to trade shows there wasn't that category there was barbecues it was quite a niche and exclusive thing and so there there was a bit of fear when you met customers who were like, oh, I don't know, I've never made pizza before. So we were like, but it can cook, you know, amazing steak if you use our cast iron or amazing salmon or vegetables in, in minutes. And so we were talking about it being an outdoor oven. So this isn't sort of digital marketing, but marketing generally, we decided to, you know, let's just really own pizza because that's the real reason it was created. And yes, it can do those other things, but like own that niche. So that was important. And then... Beyond that, our strategy has been to hire great people. We've always done things in-house and that's still been super strong for us, I think. And kind of, again, you've got that directness and authenticity. And we've been um, been quite small and been able to make things quite quickly and make things often. But yeah, investing in really good people. So I guess one of my only regrets about Uni is, is not hiring more people sooner. We, we learned... It was fun, right? Because we were seven people for years and years and our turnover was going up and we were doing well, we were doing everything. But I was like, oh, when you have people that have done it before, that's quite fascinating. (laughs) It's somebody that has been a chief marketing officer for a big brand or somebody that, you know, really, really does understand digital marketing strategy and doesn't have to learn it from scratch. Like it's it's given a, a new depth to what we can do um for sure. And hopefully we can have these amazing people with excellent experience, plus keep that agility and kind of problem-solving vibe that is part of Uri's DNA. So that, is, that would be the main investment. Keep things simple, really try and own something um, and have clarity about your messaging and then great get great people and look after them. Amazing. Before you had those great people, though, who probably now are advising on marketing strategy, who was making those decisions and where were they getting that knowledge from? 
uh, to make those marketing strategy decisions? It was us. I mean, it was just us. So we had a tiny team, like I mentioned, Christian and myself, and then we got a very small exec team. And I guess like like most founders hadn't done it before, but in the most positive sense, like we're smart individuals who wanted to get shit done and to do it well. So we did that. We talked to customers. We spent time talking to customers. We we just believed in the product and so wanted to show off simply. Our, our job at the beginning was to demonstrate that pizza ovens were a thing, right? Like that's even a thing that could happen. And then to show off how it works. And then like any good ad campaign, you talk about why, what does it do for you? How, what's the win for you? What do customers care about? Is it the fact it can cook a pizza in 60 seconds? Because that's properly wild. It does. It does do that. It heats up to 500 Celsius, which means you can cook an impolite pizza in 60 seconds. We're like, it's a total wow moment. But actually, whilst that's great, what customers really care about is the quality of that pizza, not the time it can do it in. And that like leveled up, authentic, amazing pizza that reminds you of Naples, right? It's showing that off as best we could in term in like, you know, looking at our early videos or the first time we cooked with Uni prototypes. We were so excited by it and it was magic, but the pizzas looked shocking, you know, <laughs> they just were a bit pale and, you know, it was better than our domestic oven, but, you know, learning what, what sells and what people care about. I did, we did quite a lot of tests because as I said, there is a really, it, Uni brings people together. It's, there's nothing better than sort of an informal meal, right? With your family and friends and pizza is the pinnacle of that. It's hard to argue. And so our kids are involved, our two young children who are now eight and 10 have grown up with the business. So they've been in ads and making content with us, but they just, like, people, whilst that's a thing, what people really want to see is not my beautiful children, weird. <laughs> it's they who want to see amazing pizzas. And so, yeah, just kind of learning from that. And um, I think, I mean, our strategy hasn't changed actually that dramatically, even with having, you know, amazing or a CMO, for example, what he's done is added clarity and clout and experience about how to spend it and how to get the message out more clearly and, you know, where to do research. But actually what we've done is trying to hone in on it even more and not be all things to all people. And are there any channels within your marketing strategy that you're finding are particularly effective, whether that might be influencer or whether you're using Instagram or Facebook? Uh, are there any channels that you're finding particularly effective? I mean, it's changed quite a lot of late. Facebook has been harder than previously, but we're we're kind of everywhere in the moment. We're testing out, you know, TikTok in a bigger way. Instagram, Facebook, yes, they 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 serve different functions. Twitter's actually got quite a good return again, and as an interesting one. The general approach I've got, I think this might be a Scottish thing, is just like I really don't buy like heavily sponsored influencer posts that always make me, I'm skeptical about them, right? Like, because what we want to feel is that authentic connection. Does the person who's promoting this product really love it? And it's, you know, something that they can wax lyrical about. So our approach has always been to give people that we love or like unis and just see if they like them. And if they do, then to do things. And more often than not, in the early days, there was no money that ever exchanged hands. You know, it was like, do you like this? Do you want this? We think you're awesome. And then see what happens. And if they make content, great. And if they don't, well, it's not too big a 
a waste of money. Um, it's a, an expensive product in some ways, but I think that generosity is a, definitely a huge part of our growth. Is because we are willing to to give product to people that are awesome and and see what happens. So not high expectations about that, but more often than not, people made content for us and it was really authentic because they loved it. And so as we've got bigger, we have tested out paid pieces of content, but with the yeah, with that really strong caveat that we really need to believe personally ourselves that they love it and they would use it in a natural setting. And it's not like shoehorned in a Kardashian, like with a product placement here, for example. It has to be people that we think would genuinely use uni and have awesome pizza parties, you know, with their, their family and friends. So that's been good. It's been really nice to to do. And actually, we had this campaign during the pandemic, which still is basically our philosophy, which is to reach out to people we absolutely love and give them unis. And so we've got, you know, stratospheric celebrities now with them, including kind of the Obamas to Bruce Willis to, you know, people that are just like, oh my God, Dolly Parton has three unis now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, reached out and gone, you're awesome. Are are you bored during lockdown? Would you like an uni? And they're like, thank you so much. And um, you know, we never think of Beyonce. We we don't think that she's going to do a post for Rooney that's like hashtag sponsored, hashtag, you know, but it doesn't matter to us. It matters that we're getting the ovens out there and that genuinely spreading pizza joy. Um, so that's been quite fun. I think authenticity, that's definitely something that we see here is that authenticity is absolutely key and that you've got to be much more strategic about the influences that you're working with. But I won't go too much into what we do, but just on that point of authenticity, even uh, Charlie, the producer of uh, this podcast, her dad's got an uni and Charlie had made this TikTok because um, her dad was basically using it incorrectly and loaded it absolutely full of wood or fuel and there's flames just (laughs) exploding out of the top of the the chimney. But he's making us this pizza and it got... 187,000 views on TikTok. And in the comments section, it's all really positive sentiment. It's all people asking what the oven is, giving him tips on how he should actually be fueling the oven. And obviously, if I even imagine if you would see that, you'd think we probably shouldn't use that as an ad. But it's doing a great job as an ad and encouraging more people to to look at Uni for that oven and exposing it to more people. Yeah, and that that is by far like the, by far the only way, or the best way that any brand can grow is word of mouth, right? And that's what's happened. People, if they like it, they're they're going to talk about it, and it just that's what's completely what's happened here in the UK. It's like absolutely omnipresent. Well, we think that, right? But then you hear there's so many people that don't know about it yet. But yeah, those types of content that people make because it's quite a fun thing to do, and there's a bit of a learning curve to it. So whilst I said that the ovens have you know come on and hopefully are more accessible making pizza is not easy even pizzaiolos who are professionals they they come at it with an attitude to learning and improving all the time so you can make easy doughs don't get me wrong and it can be amazing but actually getting really good and mastering the fire there's something uh it's a bit of a challenge there's a learning phase that people seem to actually really enjoy and at first we were just like oh no let's try and cut that out and make it as simple as possible and align it to barbecuing. But actually we've learned that people really buy uni because they they want, they might already make dough at home and they want to get even better. Um, or they love cooking with live fire, which is probably why we're so successful with the Charlie's dad demographic. <laughs> um, assuming, you know, that, that, you know, there's, 
cooking outside with real fire there's nothing quite like it so but yes to to your point um it's that kind of content that does the the work right because people love to talk about it and they geek out over their creations and they're proud of what they make and it's a fun experience and then they tell people so more of that once people have seen the uni oven and naturally you're you're amazed by it you think it's a great invention why wasn't this a thing before once you've seen that piece of content what are you doing to and once someone owns an uni um what are you doing to kind of continue to build that community around the oven itself and that style of cooking what kinds of content do you release around uh, the kinds of things you can do with it or why you should continue to use the the uni we've done lots for you know from top tips to getting started guides to classic neapolitan recipes and what is sourdough and the kind of sciencey ones like how much salt should you put in a dough and what is hydration those always perform really well the kind of the more sciencey ones um so we think about why are people using them and so we've, d- we've just completed a series of um sort of deep dive interviews with consumers around the world to find out how they approach things that's really interesting so you get people who are like they've just used their strong bread flour and they roll their dough out and it's you know it's fine they actually don't really want to make a neapolitan or a a Detroit style or a New York cross they're they're like this is it it's great we have this every month with our sons coming over and this is magic for us um and then you've got the other extreme which is like I'm a pizza on a journey and I want to learn about hydration and salt levels and I really want to improve and what's a poolish dough and you know so we're trying to cater for both sides and the the second side is um or the latter one I discussed as part of our pizza mastery program so creating really good content that can take people with you on that learning journey uh so it's to have accessible stuff but also what we've found out about our consumers is they they are happy to be pushed and stretched so it doesn't need to be simple actually which is which was a definite learning for us you know the way that i would say i would approach cooking would be much faster and I guess a relatively creative cook, but I also have to feed my children right on a Thursday night and it has to be fast. So that kind of fast options really appeal to me. Whereas most people, when they're thinking about pizza, it's like might be a weekend pursuit and they really want to plan for it and they want to have like amazing dough and have a bit of time for it. And so just like learning how people basically use it and making sure that we don't just have flashy content that is sort of Instagram friendly, but also we have ways that people can really learn and really good teaching. So we put out a a campaign recently to find pizza instructors from around the world that were not only kind of charismatic and and good on camera, which I hope they are, but they actually know their stuff and they can communicate well. Because I don't know about you, but there's lots of online learning these days and often people who are good at stuff, celebrities, they're not necessarily good teachers. And so it's important that we get both. Definitely. All of these things now, I think, like what you think, you think about cooking pizza at home, you think uni, they're this, like in my mind, they're the same thing. And I think I would speak on behalf of a lot of people in saying that, you know, especially during lockdown. Um, I remember my sister actually gifted uh, my dad an uni. And like you say, a lot of that is that it's that connection, isn't it? That those times where you're at home um, with your family, you're having that moment where you are learning how to cook these pizzas, you're having that memory being made, um, which I think is, like you say, it's, it feels very important to. And the community aspect that we're talking about there, the things that people feel when they think about uni. And when we think about it now, it feels like 
an obvious success. Like it was, it feels like a brilliant idea, quite genius idea that was was destined to succeed. At the very start, did you did you know it would be this successful? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Such an arrogant Such thing to say. No, no, of course not. Um, but we did believe it would be big. We really did. We thought it was a at first. It was like, oh, this is cool. Do we want this thing? And we did. And then we're like, it's sort of like the Christian style person. So a guy who's got a small back garden, who's maybe early 30s, somewhere in an urban city, in an urban environment rather. And then we're like, no, this is probably a lot more people because we started to learn that everyone loves pizza, obviously. And there is a bit of magic about the experience. So honestly, we, we did have incredibly high ambitions for the brand. And I talk about this quite often because we're in, we were in London. We're now in Scotland. There's some amazing businesses and entrepreneurs here. We're, we're constantly humbled by the people we meet and always up for learning. But what they're always what there often isn't is that vision to make something truly big on a global stage. I think that Christian and I are probably quite unusual in the rest of our team that we have believed it'll be big from from the beginning because yeah, not for big for big sake, but we just think it's quite it's simple and it's magic. And when we learned that we were sort of forging a category, we could see that it is taking shape and people are having a great time and they're talking about it. And uh, the other day I was sitting next, I was at this business event and one side there was somebody who, you know, owned several airports and the other side of me was the CEO of Tesco's. And yeah, you know, it's I, I love feeling small and feeling like we've only just got started and getting started. And often in a in a sort of local context, we could be saying like, oh, you guys have smashed it. And we don't think that at all. We think we've, we're just getting started. We're scratching the surface in terms of um, we did some brand tracking uh, people just don't know about uni you know we hear about it and you guys have heard about it but there's so many more people that just haven't or haven't even thought that pizza ovens are a thing so very long answer but we did believe we would be big in a global brand quite early on and we think we've got a long way to go <laughs> one thing that i wanted to ask is i suppose there is seasonal cycles with when you consider cooking a pizza outdoors but do you see that effect with your own uh, seasonality, do you see, I don't suppose you would see much of a, a drop in sales over Christmas because it's such a giftable product. But how do you deal with that kind of marketing seasonality? So at the beginning, we thought it would have incredible, like it will be a summer product. And then we learned quite quickly that, wow, people are buying this at Christmas time, essentially, or the holiday season, because I guess the price point sort of lends itself to you know more expensive thing and people would club in and buy it for their dads or or for it the hard to buy category that is men so thank you men <laughs> for needing things and not knowing what you need um so then we saw these two sort of peak seasons and yes there is definitely kind of dips in between those um that we're trying to navigate and understand things have gone absolutely mental though in the last couple of years because you know, travel hasn't been happening. And actually, we've had some really nice press around using unis in the fall or in the, you know, as the nights grow, get colder. And it's like the kind of whole thing about being outdoors all year round as a gift is, is something that's kind of come into everyday ways of thinking and lexicon. So we have seasonality. 
it's not as straightforward as we would have guessed though and um, luckily because of the the fact it is a giftable product and there's wedding season and then there's housewarming gifts and there's father's day and then there's you know there's lots of opportunities to to think about unis and you know we're we're more than just pizza ovens now whilst that's our core there's also lots of tools and, and accessories and other things that mean that people are coming back to buy fuel during the year and things like our dough ball which is a new new idea and having groceries and that kind of thing amazing amazing all right well that's all of our questions thanks so much Serena. Thank you so much for your time, Doreen, and we appreciate you coming and joining us on this episode of Breaking Social. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Social. Make sure you subscribe to us so you're notified when an episode drops. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing at Campfire, make sure to follow us on the socials in the show notes. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode.